really the short version of this is the best way to save your ass a lot of time is to get really, really strong on understanding what a buyer is and what a buyer is not. Because too many agents get excited about somebody says, oh, I want to buy a house. And they're like, oh, cool, let's go, right? And they just destroy their entire schedule, their week, their business, their career by by doing that. So we, we've just kind of come down to some really simple processes about how can you, what's the difference between a buyer versus a looker, right? And I, I simplify it, like you saw probably the last ones, you missed a couple of the last ones we did as first sellers the other day. And I wrote down three questions for determining whether or not a buyer is real or not. And it is um, these three. So the questions are, have you spoken with the lender? And let's hit that for a second because too many buyers, you know, say, yeah, yeah we're good. We're, we're going to work with so-and-so. And, -so. and um, what's up, Johnny? And they talk, talk with their friends. You just get a pre-approval letter and it says, hey, you know, we're pre-approved from Wells Fargo. We're ready to go buy or rocket mortgage or whatever it may be. And we take that for granted. And you know it's bullshit because they clicked a couple buttons on their phone and they get a pre-approval and it's got a bunch of asterisks on it, which mean nothing at all. And the listing agents will accept that. And then they still have a they still have an entire time period to go through before they actually find out if they get any financing. So what we've been working with our agents and working hard on this. Now we have a little bit different, I don't know the agency rules in um, your market right now, but we're able to do what's called single agency, which puts us completely on the side of our client. So it allows us to beat up the other side pretty well. And so that's what we kind of like to do. So uh, if you brought me an offer on my listing, I'm going to go right back at you before I'm even going to recommend our sellers accept it and say, who's the lender? What's their phone number? Let me talk to them. And then once I get them on the phone, I'm going to, I'm going to grill them. I'm going to say, did they sign an application? Did they get an application fee? Did you start the process? Have you pulled their, their pay stubs? Have you seen their tax returns? Did you run their credit? How much cash do they have? Have you sourced their funds? How much money do they have, do they have to put down? Where are you in this process? Because if you're just starting, I'm not going to tell my seller to take their house off the market for your hope, wish, and dream from an, an agent perspective. That doesn't make any sense in the planet. So we need to flip that script for a second. So if you're my buyer, I'm going to say, Ron, we got to chat because a good listing agent on the other side, when we find the house that you like, is going to ask these questions. They're going to call the loan officer. They're going to ask them if they pulled your credit. They're going to ask if you have the application. They're going to see if they got your pay stubs. They're going to see what you get your tax returns. They're going to see how much money you have, where the down payment's coming from. Is it a gift? Where is it sourced from? Where is your deal? So before we start looking, Start going through this process now and get on the phone. Let's set up a Zoom call. Let's talk with our lender because we got to get our, our thing together. Because and that determines whether I'm going to sell you a house, a condo, a townhouse, because HOAs and all these CDD fees, all kinds of other stuff that kicks in is going to change your debt to income ratio. So I got to fully understand how much money you're putting down, what loan programs you qualify for. Do you need seller financing? How much do we need? Do we need any contributions? Are you FHA? Are you VA? Do you have to? If we get a bidding war, do you have to do FHA? Could you do conventional? How much money do you have down? Like all these questions are real. So I can get this entire package put together and actually present you as strong as if you were cash, right? And I think to not do it that way is, is weak. I think it's bad agenting. And I think it's rampant in this industry right now and it's so easy to fix. So that's one of the things today is the first step on this is, you know, this is a real example. I've got my, I got a four-year-old. And so his teacher knows I'm in real estate and she says, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about buying a house for the first time. And 
I said, good, well, here's how this works. I'm happy to help you, right? And, and this is the process. And then I hear, <laughs> because it's a smaller world, I get um, three text messages this weekend saying, hey, your son's teacher was at my open house, right? Our, our agents were their listings in the marketplace. So that's interesting. I wonder how that's flying around the world. And then I text her, I said, what are you doing? You're wasting everybody's time, especially yours. And right then I see her at school the next day. I said, hey, let me tell you how this works. I said, you have no clue. You've got great credit and you know you don't have a bunch of cash, but why are you looking at houses? You're looking at, I had an agent call me that you were looking at 180 house. I had another agent said that you were in their 310 house, right? And then another one said that you were popping around their 260. You don't even know what you qualify for, right? One was a house, one was a townhouse, one was a condo. Right. You have no clue what you do. You are so far ahead of the off track right now. So we got to wheel her back and say, why would you even bother looking right now? I know it's fun to dream, but stop it. Let's dream responsibly. Right. And say, let's go through the lending process. Let's vet you out. And then when the time, let's find out exactly what you have. And so if they say, okay, your credit's awesome. Here's a great low down payment. Here's a grant program. First time, whatever it may be. I got a 3% down program, 5%, one, no percent. I get four grand grant. I don't know what the answer is yet. But we need to know what loan program are you going to actually qualify for. And then that's going to give you basically your prepaid spending card. And then once you have that prepaid spending card that knows what you can afford, now we go find the best property in that price point. But not until then, because here's what's going to happen. You, She already got excited about this one that was in a nice town and she wanted to spend, you know, under 1500 bucks a month. This is his teacher, right? I said, well, what are you doing looking over on the beaches? All you're doing is teasing yourself. She's like, I know. Why did I do that? But now she's going to be disappointed with anything she buys because we got to, we, she got off track. So the first step is have you actually spoken with their lender? Do not show them houses. Do not let them get excited because if this hasn't happened to you yet, that will and it sucks, right? So you you show a buyer, they get excited about a house. They put it on them. They put it under contract. They tell their parents that they bought it. They tell their friends that they bought it. They're all over Facebook. They're so excited. Instagram, there's our new house. And and then they've got a loan approval period. And over the next two, three weeks, they find out that when the loan officer starts doing their work, figure out that they had some blemish in the background and they got to clean it up before they can buy. And they bought a $300,000 house, but their credit now only allows them to buy a $250,000 house. Their egos are crushed. They're sad. They're embarrassed. And they cancel the contract. And nine times out of 10, they ghost on you because they're embarrassed. And then they go to another agent and say, hey, what's up, man? Here's my $250,000 pre-approval. I want to go buy a house. Nothing big, nothing fancy, but I'm ready. I'm a real buyer. Let's go. Now you just lost out on that sale because they now they look like an idiot too. And so do you, really. And so do I. I've done it, right? So I just want to make sure we don't ever do it again. And especially in this type of market, those a lot of you have listings too. Get stronger, man. Don't just send me a pre-approval letter. Get your butt on the phone with that lender and say, tell me the story. Tell me what's going on. Now, I use a lot of times we're talking with agents, our agents, we say, okay, make the lender part of your sales pitch for accepting your offer, especially in multiple offer situations. Get a letter from the lender, right? I'm Joe Wilson. I work with Wells Fargo. I'm talking with the Johnsons about the purchase on one, two, through any street. They're golden. I've pulled their credit. I've done this and they'd be a great addition. They're able to fully within their budget to buy your home. I hope you choose them as your offer. Love, Joe, loan officer. They'll do that. Guys, the lenders want the money. They want the business. They get paid when the deal closes too. So bring them into your tribe and just work a lot and, and bring them into the bring them into the fray on that. So that's kind of what the first step is on there. I mean, Andrew, I'm gonna bring you on up. Hey Jeff, what's up, man? How you doing, man? 
going on? Pretty good. The um, the part about the bringing the lender in on your tribe, that's freaking golden, especially with multiple offers. Just to have your lender call the listing agent, whether you tell them to or not, um, it's just it's another team member to knock it out of the park. And, uh, you know, having the listing agent then tell the seller, hey, um, you know, they're they're really good. I've already talked to their lender. You know, it's just it it brings it all home for you. Yeah. And it takes what, Andrew, four minutes? If that. If that. And the guys are more than happy to do that, especially when you have your tribe. And, you know, you have your one go to two or three lenders for any specific category. So just bring them into the loop. Just like we were talking yesterday or maybe it was one of the morning trainings we were doing this morning. But um, especially with proof of funds for your cash buyers, too. Right. Get them. Talk to their lenders. And, who, and look, if you're buying cash, you've got your money somewhere. It's at a bank. You probably have a banker. You've got somebody at that branch that helps you out, that you talk to, that tries to sell you shit all the time. So that's your person. So call them up and say, hey, I need a letter from, you know, Andrew's buying this house and it's a $280,000 house. I know he has 12 million bucks in the bank, but I don't want to see that. Just get me a letter that says Andrew's qualified to buy this property at 123 Street for 280,000 bucks. I can personally verify the funds are in the account. So there's my leverage in negotiation now too, because are you going to really counter me? Not as strongly as you would have before. If now I'm specific of how much money I have and I'm approved for that purchase right there. So now you're running a gamble. Like maybe that's all the money I have. So it just kind of helps. So I love it when agents give me a pre-approval or a proof of funds that shows a million bucks in the bank. They're trying to buy a $300,000 house. That's stupid. I'll take 12 <laughs> right? million though, just so you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're on your way. That's how it works. Johnny Knight, how we doing, my friend? Hey, what's up, Jeff? Hey, sorry, I've been... MIA the last couple of times you guys have been running this and trying to play catch up on some work. No worries. No, we, we can't clubhouse all day long, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got in this a little late. So um, I don't know if you want to refresh the room. I got a couple of people I pinged in here, John, and um, I see Amy's on here, and Marissa, and Brent, um, yep. and Janet. What's up, Janet? Um, do you want to re- refresh the room or reset the room and tell them as far as what do you mean as far as your bulletproof buyer system? Yeah, basically what we were saying um, today, just to kind of reset the whole world, I'm going to throw a couple of things out there since we're rolling on the world here. Um, basically, it's it's saving time, saving money, saving aggravation, especially in this marketplace. And it's not being sloppy. I mean, I see it way too often um, with our agents from a listing side and a buyer side missing the boat. Right. They, they take buyers words and buyers don't really know, especially if they're first time or haven't bought in a long time. You know, the average life cycle now, guys, we forget is about seven to nine years from the time they actually buy it, bought their last house to until they buy the house now. And they don't know how things are. Things have changed dramatically in the last seven to nine years as far as the buying process goes, especially if you're a first-time buyer. It's not as simple as just going on to Quicken or Rocket Mortgage on your phone when you're drinking wine and drunk, hanging out at your house and just getting a pre-approval letter. That That's not quite good enough. And they think it is. So our job, what I'm, what we started out saying is really telling the difference between a buyer and a looker and getting really strong in your qualification. Because I think, you know, kind of one of the things that we go to, especially for this quarter with all the agents in our company that, that we're working with, is one good, solid appointment a week extra, right? So if you go find one additional good, solid, qualified buyer who's ready to buy, not in the looking stage, but in the buying stage, that'll throw about 11000 bucks after cash into your bank account. So if you want more than that, get two. If you want triple that, get three. But so we just simplify us. How do you, where is your one good appointment coming from this week? 
And then someone, oh, I'm showing some buyers around tomorrow. I said, oh, are you showing buyers or lookers? Well, buyers, are you sure? Who's their lender? Have you talked to their lender? No. They said they're good. Okay, well, you don't have a buyer. Let's get your ass on the phone with the lender and let's ask them these questions. Have you got the loan app? Have you pulled their credit? Have you seen their pay stubs? Have you seen their tax returns? What loan program are you putting them in? How much cash are they putting down? Have you sourced their funds? If you can't answer these questions, you don't have a buyer. You've got a dreamer, you have a looker and they're in your lead funnel and they're going through and they will be a buyer one day, but don't put their ass in your car and trick yourself into give a buyer appointment today. You do not. Because what are you going to do when they fall in love with the house on Oakberry Lane and then you're going to go up against uh, another offer and that other agent did their job and actually has a letter from the loan officer that says, hey, I'm the loan officer for Bob and Mary Smith. They want to buy your house on Oakberry Lane. I pulled their credit. I have their pay stub. I've started their application. They're golden. Their credit's amazing. I have sourced their funds. It's all golden. I'm going to put them in this loan program. I've already pre gotten through underwriting. These guys are as golden as you could be. How are you going to compete with that? Right? How are you going to compete with that? And for you to take a buyer out without going to that extra step that takes four minutes is I think it's sloppy, especially in a market like this when we're multiple offer situations all the time. So it's really kind of an internal gut check as far as do you really have a buyer? And it's okay if you don't. Just know that it's the lead follow-up time until they're ready to actually buy. But stop tricking yourself because before you know it, you think you're busy and you don't have any contracts written. You got a bunch of leads and you know their lease isn't up until March, but they want to go look around on Thursday. That's okay, but just qualify that time as your Chamber of Commerce community tour time, right? That's that's not income generation right now. That's managing leads, but it's not your real buyer for this week. So I'm just hoping to stimulate you guys a little bit and just really re-clarifying the fact that you need to be stronger with pre-qualifications and who is going to be my buyer this week. Now, I'm going to touch you all, and I'm going to make sure that you're comfortable, and I will do my follow-up, and I'll keep you on your your hot sheets and I'll, and I'll maybe zoom with you and we'll look at some properties online. I answer questions. Maybe I'll even drive you around a little bit, but you're not my buyer. So we just start to scour, scour, scour and see it. So that's like question number one is, have you physically spoken with their lender and understand their whole process? And if you have, awesome. If you have not, do it, right? Second one is, do they actually have a real time frame where they have to be in a house, right? And Marissa might say, well, you know, they're staying with their mom and they don't like it, but they're okay. And when they find the right house, they're ready to go. They're not a real buyer yet. They're a looker and a dreamer and they're a want to buy, but they're not a have to buy. So stop tricking yourself to think that those people are real buyers right now. They're real lookers. They're real lookers that have a strong indication that they really would like to buy one day, but they're not necessarily a buyer right now. And then the third one is, do they know where they want to live? And that uh, nothing's further aggravating than when you actually show somebody a house and then they want to see the one across town and then the other one across the other town and one over in another town and they want to see all of them, right? If, if that's the stage, they are 100% in lead, like investigation mode. Like you can't live and look at 25 houses that are 40 minutes apart and think that you know where you want to live. There's no way in hell. So that's why I know a lot of you are doing a really good job of leveraging the technology, throw them in a Zoom room, go look at a hundred houses in the evening when they're drinking a glass of wine in their living room and so are you and pull up the houses, go through everything that's in their range in MLS and at least narrow down to a, a, a city, at least narrow down to a, to a, a school district. How about a, ideally a neighborhood or two, but the, to throw them in the car and driving them around from city to city to city to city and showing 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 houses. 
it's crazy. It's crazy. It's unless, unless, you know, a lot of times there's exceptions to everything you know, they just flew into town and they're starting their job and they've never been here and they need to get a feel for the area. Yeah. You might have to spend a little chamber of commerce time doing it, but don't let that be your norm with buyers. So it's really about getting damn strong with pre-qualifying them and saying, and just taking control. Like we always say today, let me explain with you. Let me explain to you how I run my business. And this is how it works for me. And we're going to meet with your lender. We're going to figure out where you want to buy. We're going to figure out what the time frame for you, how long it's going to take to close your loan. I'm going to understand your whole financing position. And then we're going to know exactly the price point, which you feel comfortable buying in. I'm going to show you everything that's on the market. We'll probably do that via Zoom or in my office on a, on a big computer. We can look at a couple hundred houses on the computer. And then what we're going to do is we're going to narrow that down to the top three, four, five max. And then we're going to look at those three, four, or five. And then you're going to pick one. You're going to buy it. Right? That's just how I run my business. And you know what? They love it. Because do they really want to look at 27 houses and sit in the backseat of your car? Nope. They want you to listen, sort it out, and say, you know what? It sounds to me like you're really going to like the Shady Oak subdivision. There's a couple houses that's right in the school district you guys want to be. There's four houses out there. Let's look at them online. Let's narrow it down to the top two. Let's go see them tomorrow at four, and let's pick one and write an offer. And they're going to be like, man, thank you very much. So that's kind of the simple process on that. I'd love to hear any comments on that one. Just kind of um, flash your mic if you want to pop you, give you the mic and come on up here and chat about it and see if you have any, did I strike any guilt nerves or <laughs> as far as work with buyers a long time? Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent, Jeff. Um, I don't, I don't do that. Um, I minimum, well, maximum rather, I should say I show about five houses. Now, obviously when it comes to multiple offers, um, you might have to show a little bit more, but, um, time is, is valuable. And honestly, I always make sure I remind them what they told me they wanted. Um, if you send me something and it's a split four year and you told me you absolutely hate split four years, I'm going to question it before you waste my time to go show you the property. Um, so it's like they have to know their why and you have to often remind them. And like I said, if, if they're looking at multiple houses that are, um, are that spaced out, um, yep. if they're looking at that many houses and they're all spaced out and 40 minutes apart, they don't know where they want to live. They really don't. So, um, my broker always says they have to be ready, willing, and able. If anything is missing out of that, it's like you're wasting your time. Now, now you're a great example of this one because you're extremely busy. And you get a ton of leads and it's very tempting, I know, to get attached to them and, and, and follow them down. How do you manage the fact? I mean, I bet you on an average week, how many leads do you touch Did that come in and say, hey, you know, we're thinking about buying. What would you say? Come across your, your sphere, your, your on world. A, on an average, um, I'd say, honest to goodness, probably about 15, 15 okay. to 20. That's, that's scary. Okay. Because that's phenomenal. And, and I love, if you haven't heard Johnny's follow him because he's, he's talks a lot. He's got some great content, what he's doing too. The guy spent zero money, has spent zero money, never has bought a thing. He just promotes himself out beautifully out on social and he attracts look, 15 leads a week organically from referrals and sphere and from his post. Uh, he's doing a masterful job, but that's going to kill him, right? I mean, 15 buyers coming through your thing, you've got to pre-qualify your ass big time because out of 15 people that are interested and excited to buy a house, it's exciting, guys. It's exciting. They're looking at houses. They're watching HGTV. They're dreaming. They're getting excited, and they want to go see houses. And Johnny doesn't want to throw 15 or 30 butts in his car and drive him around town for the whole week, right? And you can't. You physically can't because he can't run his business. 
if he does that. So how do you take control? How do you take control? I'd love to hear from the other guys too. How do you take control over it and to make sure that they're actually ready, willing, and able or actually truly not wasting your time or premature in the funnel, I guess is a good way to say it. How do you do it? Yeah, well, I, I do exactly what you mentioned as far as just um, making sure I uh, check in with the lenders. Like I, um, I have a preferred lender just like everybody else does. And I, I make sure that I'm qualifying them and then I'm seeing how far off they are. Like if you're looking to buy in June, like we're not looking at houses right now. It's like, yeah, you can get an idea of what you want, but you can do that online. Um, and also it's just, I, I use the MLS to my advantage and um, HomeSnap or whatever program you have that people look at houses. I let them look at them and I analyze those houses before I even take them. And then also I, um, I just try to share the wealth as well. Um, I know a lot of the new agents that I mentor in my office um, Amy being one of them and she's doing phenomenal, hit the ground running. Um, what I'll do is I'll take and share the love. It's like, if there's, um, a client that I feel may be a little more needy for, for what I have to give them, or they're a little more demanding. What I'll do is I'll offer it to somebody else that is maybe trying to get some leads or, or need some business. So that way I'm not like leaving anybody hanging. But, um, like you said, when you get that many leads and yeah, 15, 20 leads, not all of them are going to be necessarily qualified to buy right away, but it's like, you have to make sure because as a new agent, I think the biggest mistake, um, that a lot of people make is they're scared to say no. Um, and it's like, I was that agent. It's like, I was the agent where even with rentals a rental, tell me they want to go see a property. I'm there. And then I realized like, Hey, I'm wasting my time. It's like, I'm going to burn out. And I wasn't really qualifying people the way I should have. But then once you start realizing how precious your time is, and we only have X amount of time before it's dark, it's like, I'm not wasting my time. So I had to get strategic and get smart with it. And um, essentially, I'm still figuring out ways of not burning out, but um, just making sure you you ask good questions and and you stay top of mind. But it's like you you just don't you have to run your business. Don't let your business run you. And you've got to do it the exact way every time. Go ahead, Andy. It's funny that you bring up burning out because I literally did burn out and I was, I was just done. Um, This is, this is before we spoke or anything like that. But, you know, um, when you start getting that many leads and you start going showing, you know, 15 houses a day and stuff like that, it just gets really tiring. And, and um, then you start learning how to ask the question. So what I ended up doing was I created a, a, a questionnaire uh, for buyers and sellers on my website. So before I even meet people, I will send them this questionnaire and I, you know, have an idea of really what they're looking for in great detail because I asked them on this questionnaire of the details that they're looking for. So then when we start to deviate from that, I'll show them this printout of, hey, do you remember when we, before we even met, you filled this out and you said, give you an example of, you hate split for you. Why are you sending me a split for you you want to take a look at? And it just kind of it reaffirms to them, you know, what they wanted, what they said they wanted. And then they say, yeah, we don't need to look at that because I hate split for you. I'm getting desperate. You know, they're losing multiple offers and stuff like that. So, but it, it really just, it helps you help them. That's right. That's right. And the question is a good thing to send them to. I always liked um, doing the actual prequal script, just you know, call it setting the, the setting up the, the conversation, right? And say, guys, look, here's, here's how we run this. Here's how we run this business. This is how it's going to work. Right? So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to chat with you. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. I'm going to meet with your lender. And then the, like the buyer prequal script is 
I'll just read it real quick. Say, hey, this is Jeff Sixer on Beggins. Listen, the reason I'm calling this is to confirm our appointment for tomorrow at two is that's times to work for you. Good. And to make the most efficient use of our time, get you provide you guys for the best service. I got a couple of questions I want to ask you. Is that fine? So as you know, buyers that get pre-approved are in a much better negotiation position. So have you already arranged financing for the property? You have great. Well, then are you working with? What's their contact information? I really need to connect with them so we're all on the same page. Uh, well, not really. I don't have a loan officer. Well, I've got a couple preferred. I'm going to text you over a couple numbers and and um, give them a call. See what kind of good programs they have. Based from what I know, I think you should call so-and-so. I think they got great programs for you. How much of a down payment do you plan to invest? Awesome. What price ranges are you entertaining from X to Y? Ideally, when do you want to move into the new home? What's perfect timing for you? And do you have to sell your property and now before you make the move? All right, I'm going to send you a, a, a little link to a presentation that we kind of send to our agents to. What's your email address? And then I'm going to send you a link to a cool service that I actually pay for that sends you the daily updates of all the properties the moment they hit the inventory that match your criteria. It's going to give you a good understanding about the market between now and the time we meet. And then as soon as we get together, we're going to review all the options. I'm going to go through the type of homes, the amenities, the neighborhoods, everything you can think of. And I've got what we call a lifestyle profile, and it's going to help me identify your needs and your wants a little bit better. And so I'm going to email that to you. And you can, it's kind of like your questionnaire engine, right? Where, what are you actually looking for? And then I look forward to seeing you tomorrow too. So that's kind of how we do it. And then when you, that's just what you do with every single buyer. And if they don't want to answer your questions or you don't like the answers, bye. See ya. Sayonara. Refer it out. Refer it out. Right. Oh, you don't have a lender and you want to waste my time. Let me introduce you to some, a couple of non, non-productive agents in my office. I would love to burn their week with your ass in the back of their car. It's not me though. Right. But you just have to find a nicer way to say that, but that's really what you're doing because you guys are committed to going to prospect to find the buyer who's actually ready, willing, and able, and actually has a lender, has a time frame, and knows the neighborhood they want to be in. Because guys, in this market, there's no inventory. But if I have Johnny as my buyer, and I know he's qualified, his lender says he's golden, and he's got a job starting in March, and he really wants to live in the breezy Palms subdivision, then, and I know what he can afford, I'll take my ass out there and go into the public records and go into the Remind um, different programs and find the likely sell scores in that neighborhood and bang on doors and say, look, I've got Mr. Knight here who is pre-approved, 100% golden as can be, really dying to live on the street. Have you guys even remotely ever possibly considered selling your house? Moving up, moving down, moving around. Right now, start talk about advertising that, right? So when you hire me, these are the things that I'm going to go do for you. Inventory sucks right now. You know, we always get, we have a great renovation loan um, officers in our marketplace right now and say, look, don't get caught up on a pretty house. Sometimes it's better to buy an ugly ass house with a renovation loan that now you can put your own kitchen in. You can put your own flooring in. You can put your own bathroom in. You can add that fourth bedroom. You can dunk a pool in the backyard. We can get it rolled into the loan. So let's not look at just pretty houses. Let's look at, let's open up the opportunity. And if you really are committing to me, I'll commit back to you and I'll go bang down doors. I will find you the house. Right, so that's that's a game changer. Um, now, now they have to commit to working with you and allow you to run your business the way that you run it. But go there and say, look, here's how this works. You're going to talk to the lender. I have to know you're golden because if I get questioned by the lender, by the seller, and I got to be able to show how golden you are. So if you want me to work for you at this capacity, give me the tools I need. And that's a great social media post. That's a great thing on LinkedIn. It's a great thing on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere you want. And just you know, be a buyer ninja, and just you're a trained assassin. You're the house assassin. Just you really want one. I know the market sucks. I will find you one, right? As long as you're ready to go. 
get him on the buyer broker agreement, get him to commit to you and then go to work. And it's beautiful because now you find a seller who wants to sell. Now you have enough two buyers out of the deal. You got a double-sided listing and you got a new buyer because you got to move the seller's butt somewhere else. So in the reality of it is you really only need one or two good deals this month, right? Extra. So this isn't hard. So now you take those 15 that come in this week, Johnny, and say, okay, I only have time for three. <laughs> who wants to be it? Here's how I run my business. And now it's not that. Now you're showing your value because you're just not a typical door opening right? monkey, right? That, you know, guys, open doors. I don't know if it's near your market. Open door and offer pad in those companies. They actually have the key code remote on the front door that unlocks the door for you. You don't even need somebody to open the doors anymore. So the buyer side of this business, we need to change our perception or perceived value is not letting them into a house that they found on the MLS or Zillow, right? It's got to be your representation, your negotiation, your Jedi master negotiation skills to get them a great deal, get them a great financing, get them with a lender who knows what the hell they're doing that can close on time, make sure the title company knows what they're doing and give them a smooth process because every single client's worth 130,000 bucks. So focus in on it. So a little bit of a rant there, but I get a little passionate about this stuff. Comments, questions, thoughts about that? Anybody flash your mic? I'll give you the give you the mic. I was really I really like the way you set up your uh, the buyer interview kind of thing. What you said there, because I'm more of a give them one for free kind of mentality, and then go from there. But I like the way that it's it is makes me look so much more professional with that kind of attitude. And that's kind of what they want, right, Brent? I mean, they really will appreciate you showing that you've got the skill and that you're busy and that you're professional and that you're unattached to the outcome. That's the hard thing is getting unattached to the outcome when the, when the finances aren't as, as fluid. So some, I, I tend to get commission breath, I think. That's, that's okay. But you know, you know how to get out of that is you've got to hit more numbers. You got to prospect more. You got to talk to more people because, you know, Johnny doesn't have, as much commission breath as his bank account's got a nice little balance in it. So he can be a little more um, selective, but that's just because he has more leads to choose from. So all you have to do is get more leads. And again, Johnny spends zero on marketing, doesn't spend by any leads. It's 100% social driven. It's 100% repeat and referral. And he posts content that's engaging and he re-engages and follows up, guys. It's nothing new. There's no secret bullet. It's just it's consistency and talking to people and find find something unique, right? In your market, I bet you nobody's really saying that they're going to be a trained buyer assassin and is going to go take down a no, house. It's ironic that that you that you said that, but it is. I did that four times this past year, and I've already got one this year, where I find somebody that's looking for somebody something special, and I'll just go bang on every door I can. And COVID or no COVID, I put my mask on and step back eight feet. And I, I find find them them that specialty house. That I really do specialty houses because that's easier for me to find. Love it. And, and you could focus on any niche you want. You could be four bedroom plus houses only, or five bedroom houses only, or huge ass garages, or crazy ass pools. Whatever the niche is, but yeah. it's really whatever you want. Brent, I want to touch on that though, because Brent, if you're going to do that work, that's amazing my encouragement to you and i know johnny will push you to do this as well is next time you do that grab your phone go live 
on Facebook or Instagram, whatever your platform of choice is, and explain what you're about to do. Listen, I've got a client. There's nothing on the market for them. So I'm going to go find it and take the phone with you. Document the process, right? For, so, for those of you using social, so many of you are trying to reinvent the wheel. You don't need to create content. Just document. Document what you're doing because what you just said, 99% of agents will not go do. They're not going to go knock on doors. So if you're the one who is willing to do that and then document it and share that, oh my God, dude, you will get so much business from other people just because they're amazed at the effort that you're going through. That's right. That's right. And and I, yeah, exactly. But sell it out and say, guys, if you have a friend who's disappointed because there's no inventory, they need an agent like me that goes out and hunts it down. So tag a friend. You think you might need to hear something like this because I got a few more appointments open up this week, but that's it. And um, I'll just show you, here's what we're doing. Walking down the street, I got my clients. They're awesome people. They got a couple kids that love this neighborhood. They love the school district. There's just nothing on the market. So my ass, check out these knuckles. Bang, bang, bang. I'm just going door to door. You know how long I'm going to do it? As long as it takes until I get my clients a house. That's the kind of agent I am. And I love this life. Everything's good. You guys have a great day. Peace out. Love you. Bye. Right? There's your, there's your post. Yeah, and I tend to do it the other way. I, I don't do the story till the end. I, I tell the story. That's how I do my, I don't do just sold things. I tell the story of what I did for the people. But telling it beforehand, I think it'd get even more because then they can see it visually. And the game, guys, the game is simple. All you're doing is becoming top of mind. That's it. You could be standing in front of any house. They don't even probably listen to you because a lot of the posts aren't even listened to with audio. All they do is they see your ass walking around. You got your name tag on, you got your shirt on, you got something. You're, you're walking down neighborhoods talking about houses. They don't even care what you say. They're not even going to listen to what you say. All they're saying is that's it, right? And they see you actively, aggressively doing it. So now when they're at a cocktail party this weekend or their kid's t-ball game and real estate comes up in a conversation in the uh, three rows back on the bleachers, they're going to say, well, you got a, I got a buddy of mine who's, he's a, he's passionate, man. He's bangs on doors and finding clients, houses for his clients, man. I, I heard you say you, you're tired of no inventory. Here's my guy's number. Let me text it to you. That's what you want. You want to get that, that different level. Jeremy raised his hand. I'm going to pass the mic to you, Jeremy. Love to hear what you have to add to it. Welcome in. Cool. What's up, guys? What's up, Mike? How are you, bro? Good, man. Been a while. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys, and I like asking this question because you always get some different answers to it. Uh, you know, with, with real estate being a referral game, like many things, <clears throat> it's one thing to get referrals, right? And I think a lot of times people just kind of sit back and wait for the referrals to happen, right? So what do you guys have to say in terms of tactics, processes, ideas, creativity, whatever, actually generating more referrals, making referrals happen more often, making them happen quicker. Where, 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 what do you guys got in that? Where, do, where does your brain go when, when I say that? You got to tell people that they're yeah. an advocate, man. Um, in order to get referrals, you got to say to your people that already referred you, hey, I love what you're doing. You're an advocate for me. I appreciate you very much. And just take care of referrals. And just tell them, I need referrals. I live off referrals. We're in a referral business. Yep. What I what I tend to do is I like creating raving fans. Um, and in creating raving fans, those are people that um, you can't do wrong in their eyes. Um, I do that 
a lot of times, a lot of the people that give me referrals are people I've never even sold houses to. Um, it's because I stay top of mind. It's like you bring value to people and everything is really about giving. It's like when you take and um, have a good experience or you hear about someone else's experience naturally, the natural inclination is to tell somebody. So what I do is I try to document everything that I do, just like Jeff was saying. Um, but I like telling stories, so to speak. I like um, making sure even with my testimonials and, and my, my um, surveys and stuff like that, I like putting it out there so that people can read and they see it for themselves. And naturally, it becomes one of those things where when they think of real estate or if they think of an opportunity, like you're top of mind. So what I, I tend to do is um, I am very, I don't know, I'm very conscious of the experience that I give my clients. Um, I just try to, to be good overall, not just with my clients, but even like I'm not one of those agents where I got to prove that I'm earning my commission. Um, I just want the deal to work. I, um, as a, as a realtor, our, our job is to connect buyers and sellers. That's all we do. So I don't do anything extra. I, I keep it simple all the way, but I document it. And then I let those clients when they're, they're wild. And when they just love the service I provide it, I let them tell it. So that way I don't have to speak and they become advocates for me. And then what I do is I share those testimonials. I get permission that, Hey, you mind if I post this on my Facebook? And now they're naturally, they're going to share it because yeah, Johnny sold me a house and we just love working with Johnny. So now they want their friends to see it. And I always think of it almost like if you had a good experience at a restaurant, um, whether it's the customer service or the presentation or whatever it is, you're naturally going to walk out and you're going to tell a friend. And that friend's going to tell a friend because, hey, well, Johnny went to this restaurant. And they says, good, maybe we should try it out. So it's like everything is about the experience to me. Um, I just try to, um, it's it's weird. It's Century 21's thing, defy mediocrity and deliver extraordinary experiences. That's literally what I try to do. Love it. How about you, Brent? You're quiet over there. What do you got? I like the word relentless. I put it in my thing because I try, try to do everything like that. I mean, with whether it's going out and finding the house for somebody that can't find one by knocking hard. Helping them move, helping them clean, helping them fix things that are broken around their house. Uh, I do it all. I've uh, emptied out two houses for people that live out of state, selling their parents' homes. So, yeah, I just try to go above and beyond. I know it'll pay off in the long run, so it's going to keep on rolling. That's right. Yeah, it's just, wanna, it's just documenting wanna, it. Go ahead. Yep. I want to hit on that real quick, though, too. I think one of the biggest mistakes, to Johnny's point, I think a lot of agents make when it comes to referral business is relying only on those that are doing business with them or have done business with them. The reality is, for most of you, if you're doing a deal a month, you know, obviously Johnny's doing a lot more, but if you're doing a deal a month, you're only dealing with 12 people a year. I don't know about you guys, but I want way more than 12 people out there talking about me, right? So. The best way to get referral business is to build a tribe. And the only way you're going to build a tribe is by bringing value to as many people as humanly possible, because it's, it's just natural, right? If I, I know Jeremy owns a production business, right? So if I send Jeremy, because I know that, and I'm out at a baseball game and I hear someone say, yeah, I'm looking for someone to shoot some content. And I send that people, those people to Jeremy and Jeremy gets those business and they say, oh yeah, Mike sent me over here. Jeremy, without a shadow of a doubt, 
is going to, his brain is actively going to be looking for a way to repay that because I just sent him something and he never had to ask for it. He didn't have to do anything, but I brought him value and he is going, whether he even realizes it or not, he's going to go out of his way to try and repay that debt, right? We're humans. And when, when someone does something nice for us, we naturally view that in our brain as being a debt that we owe them, even though we don't, right? So if I can bring as much value to as many people in my community, whether that's another business, whether that's a roofing contractor, whether that's a painter, whether that's anyone, the more value, if you focus on just bringing value to other people in your community every single day, you're going to create a tribe of hundreds of people. And those hundreds of people will return into so much business, you won't even know what to do with. So that's, that would be my approach. Not, and not just past clients are great, but not just past clients. Because that If you're relying solely on that, you're only going to get a handful of deals a year from that. Community-minded. Love it. Awesome. Well, I'm gonna re I'm gonna re repay that very kind shout out there right now. Um, and then I gotta bounce uh, to everybody that's listening. Mike knows marketing and real estate. Okay, and I'm not talking about just all the generic stuff. He can he understands that at a level of getting down into the nitty gritty and the analytics and fencing things off and uh, it's I've, I've always been really impressed with all that um you guys run a great operation over there mike you know i've been a big fan of yours for a while so oh, awesome guys i love the room thank you so much yeah man thanks for coming now talking about fencing and, and just kind of niching down for a second just kind of wrapping tying this back in together uh, you can't be everything to everybody you guys know that so in order to be just really contextual on this if you're focusing on the south tampa market or the champions gate in orlando market or west virginia whatever neighborhood that you have and you want to that's where you want your business to be then put blinders on and forget about the rest of the marketplace if you want to really bring value to that neighborhood then like like was just alluding to go interview the flower shop that's been there forever go talk to the high school principal go talk to the football coach do a little video about them. Go to the biggest businesses in town that have a nice following on Instagram, right? Go do a quick little interview. Throw them some business, right? You're going to get tagged. You're going to get into their their feed. You're going to get into their tribe. They're going to let you put your information all over their restaurant. You're going to become buddies. And then do one of those every other day. Do one a week. Do something that's contextual to give back without asking for a damn thing, right? I love this neighborhood. I love this community. I want everybody in this community to do well. And I've got some time. And I've got a platform and I'd love to share it with you. Tell me your story. How are, do you make the best bagels on the planet? And where did you come from? Where'd the recipe come from your grandmother? Tell me the story. How did you end up here? And tell me the deal. And then record it. Set your iPhone up. You don't need a production company to do that stuff. Get the thing going. Post it out there. Tag their company and watch their followers like that and say, who the hell did that? Oh, that was sweet of Brett to do that. What a nice guy. Who's he? Oh, he's an agent. That's interesting. My cousin's moving here from Chicago. Maybe I'll send them over to Brent, right? It's not hard. It's just providing that value and staying top of mind um, in the niche where you want to be. You cannot be the best agent in all of West Virginia. You just, it's impossible. And you don't need to be because you need three, four, five deals max a month. That's all you need to live a really nice lifestyle, guys. So throttle it back a little bit and just really zero in on what's the neighborhood, what's the price point, what's the area, who's my client and then just become the de facto mayor 
of that niche. And then you don't have to worry about anything as long as you consistently throw that out there. So any thoughts on that? That has a good concept. Anybody else doing something like Yeah, and use your phone. You don't, to just point, you don't need a production company. You don't need a videographer. Sorry, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan is on this and he's our videographer. Um, you don't need him. Uh, now, if you have access to one, sure, that's great. But you don't need that, right? It, it Just keep it real. Keep it basic. And for those of you that are going to be honest with yourselves and say, you know what? I know I should. I know I should get out there with my camera, but I'm not going to do it. I, I don't like the way I sound on or I don't like the way I look on video. I don't like doing it. Then grab your phone, go into there and say, hey, I'm starting a local business podcast where I'm interviewing local business owners, why they chose the area, their history, all, blah, blah, blah. I'm just trying to bring value to you. Open up Anchor, that free app on your phone and start a podcast. Right, that is free and it's audio based. No one's gonna see you. No one's gonna think that though. You know, you look tired. You're not gonna have to deal with any of that, and you're just gonna talk. Right. So these are just some things that are very easy to do, and they're 100% free. There we go. There we go. All right. Any other comments, questions, things to, for you guys to add? Anybody want to talk that hasn't spoken yet? Hey, Tessa is um, Tessa is a agent that's in the follow by the speakers. I would love for Tessa to come up. I don't know if you can ping her. Yeah, um, we just, we'll bring her we just I just invited her to grab the mic. Yep. Actually, how you doing, Tessa? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I just was thinking about how we mastermind in Los Angeles um, and how much value you brought. I just want to kind of see what your thought process was on any of this. I, um, well, thank you. That was super awesome in Los Angeles. And I am 100% referral based as well. Um, and I just feel like it's the best um, system that's out there. And all of this is really resonating with me as far as. I think we lost you there. We have to bring you back up there, Tessa. She <laughs> She, I think she left the room there by accident. Yeah, she probably got a phone call. That's the one downfall to this app that they still haven't figured out. Yep. Yep, I'll ping her back. I got a call as soon as I invite her up. So it's the same thing. And if you put it in airplane mode, then they'll try to um, call you on, on FaceTime. That's right. <laughs> so good. And while we're waiting here, anybody else want to um, reach up? Like the Jillian looks like Milo, you guys are newer to the platform. Anything you want to contribute, ask, come on up. Jennifer, Nikki, Cody, Joe, anybody? Flash your mic and we'll um, bring you up if you have any, any, if you'd like to add something or comment or add a question. Yeah, hey, Marissa, Nikki. I was going to say, is a local agent to me as well. And you know how you guys are talking about like show the process. I know she does a phenomenal job of um, posting like when she's working on contracts and stuff like that. And it kind of builds up that anticipation. And that's the thing about it, especially now, is like people want to see that you're still working. That's right. Nikki raised her hand. Nikki, welcome up. How are you? Nice Hi. to meet you here. Good. Nice to meet you guys. Thank you. It's been wonderful to listen to you. I'm an agent in the Baltimore, Maryland metro area. Um, on my 20th year this year. So, and I turned 40, so it's a big year. <laughs> um, my question is, do any of you guys use the the mailbox power or any of the client giants for referrals? Because 
that's what it seems like everybody's doing. And I'm just wondering how to utilize that to my best ability with people that are not just past clients, but like you said, the attorneys, everybody that's, um, that could be like a referral source for me going forward. Is there any advice you have with that or any ideas? I am personally not familiar with the mailbox power um, at all. Johnny, do you know anything about that? I just, I just haven't had it. Are you talking about how people send out like the mailers whenever they like um, just sold a house in a neighborhood? It's um, well, it's more of like a client like gift system. So a lot of the agents around here are using these systems to basically send quarterly gifts, especially because we can't do client events right now. They're using these systems to send out, um, you know, gifts to their clients. And I have a whole in Mailbox Power. I have a whole. Um, farm plus I put in my past clients and other um, SOI people that I feel like I could really utilize and I've just started getting really into it and I'm I'm really liking it um, it's more of like but it's more of like a gift system so you pay like $49 a month is what I would recommend the gold and then you they basically give you free postcards you just pay for postage as many as you want unlimited you can send out which is pretty phenomenal and then on top of it, you can also, um, you can use it for the gift system. And the gift system is more of like my estate attorney I put on there. I'm sending him a quarterly gift to his house, like just a reminder or just to get out there and they know that you're appreciated. You can send it as a thank you. Um, I don't know, I think it's a really great system. I just didn't know if you guys were putting it to use. And if, I mean, if not, reach out to me if you have any questions. I actually put it all together in my, I spent a lot of time on this during COVID, but um, yeah, I didn't know if anyone was using it and if you were finding success with anything of that, you know, sort of idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that concept at all, right? I think it sounds pretty, sounds pretty unique and everyone likes gifts. I will say that I think, you know, on top of that or, or maybe instead of that, there's mm -hmm. so much to be said about building value with someone versus just giving them a gift. Right. Like, I don't know. Right, I, right. Me, me personally. Right. I would much rather someone if someone came to me and said, hey, like, I'm, I'm doing this for you because I know you care about it versus gave me a gift, like different, different connection. Right. Different, different feeling overall. So I always right. go back to like, how can I connect one on one and bring that person's value above and beyond? Like, sure, I can go to a restaurant and buy a meal. Right. And then, and they'll be appreciative of that. But if I can go to that restaurant and tell the, their story for them, which is something no one else is doing, something that they don't have the budget to go do, something that they don't know how to do, something that they don't have right. the, the following to go do. And I give that to them with no expectation of return. That to me is far better than me just buying something at their store or at their restaurant. Right. So, that's what I always come back to. So I, I think it sounds like a pretty cool system. I would just say using hand-to-hand -hand combat, going on LinkedIn, um, finding local business owners, reaching out to your sphere, right? Sending a message out to your sphere saying, hey, I know that in my network, there's a lot of small business owners or you know a small business owner who's probably had a pretty tough time over the last year or so. I want to network with as many of them as I can. And if I can bring value to any of them, I want to you know, let's start connecting, 
put, you know, send their contact information to me, send their business information and start doing that, you're going to have far greater success, right. in my opinion, than just sending random presents to someone. No, I appreciate that, too. I, I do a community. Um, I have like a community page and I'm pretty big on Instagram reels and I do a lot of um, interviewing the local businesses. So I do already incorporate that. I really like it. Um, and on Instagram, I, my reels are really starting to take off. I'm getting like 5,000 plus views. I'm getting people DMing me from them. So that's been pretty cool. So I do utilize that. I just started kind of putting this gift system more into place as like, you know, if somebody says like a lot of my sphere has been like having babies during this COVID, right? They're like, all like, Hey, I'm pregnant now. Well, here, let me send you a, like a, a gift. You can personalize the gift in these programs. And it sends them like a personalized gift, which is really cool. People like write me back. They're like that. They just love it. Uh, um, the feedback's just been really good. I was just trying to figure out how to incorporate it more into the local business aspect because I love my local businesses. And I'm people know me as somebody who supports the local business. Like I don't go to Starbucks. You know, I go to the local coffee shop and they all the owners know me. It's just a matter of, you know, trying to get referrals from them is a little bit different. Um, I just feel like there's so many realtors out there and it's like, how do you stand out and interviewing them has been great. And I get a lot of thank yous and everything, but it's not like I see business coming from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I really like the gift system. I think I, I really like the, uh, giving gifts to your clients in unexpected times too, right? Like small stuff. Right. Like I think. Right. I think gifting, like when you hit big milestones in the process, gifting them when they get financing approval, giving them a gift card that says, hey, congrats, we got, you know, here's a $10 gift card to the local coffee shop um, because we just hit a major milestone and, and you got your financing approved. Like little things like that are things that I think so many agents wait until the end and they close and that's great. And maybe your, you know, your financial budget won't allow it. But if for something like that gifting system, I think if you have the ability to like gift throughout the process, like small little things, um, I think will go a long way. And just that's a know, great idea. Those... Yeah, I like that idea a lot. That's actually, I, I think I'm going to start that. Let's see what happens. <laughs> hey, Mike, I'm going to step out for a few. I'm going to keep it. You're going to keep it going for a few. I'll be back in um, in a little bit. I've stepped out for, for a meeting right now. Yep. Hey, Tessa, I see you're back on stage. Uh, yes, I am. Sorry. I literally signed up today. So bear with oh, me. You're good. You're good. That's okay. Uh, so I just was saying, I love the community involvement. I think that that's one of the most important things. Um, I am 100% referral based and service minded. And I think that um, just focusing in on wherever you see a gap, um, whatever service you can provide and being in there and trying to fill that gap yourself, I think is how you um, really can stand out above the other realtors. I know Nikki, you mentioned that there are a lot of realtors, but I always figure there's not a lot of great realtors. Um, and so I think that just holding yourself accountable and providing them most excellent customer service and really, you know, taking into consideration what our role is for our clients, you know, we have a responsibility and a duty to treat them with integrity and honesty and fair dealings. And I think that those things, you know, set you above. Um, but I think the other thing too, 
that goes along with that is I, I'm not sure who it was that said it, but somebody mentioned, you know, I get commission breath. And I think that that's the biggest thing is when you, you know, start to focus in on what your outcome is going to be or what you're going to get out of it. I think that that's when you want to run into trouble. And I think that if you just focus in on, um, you know, how can I make this successful for my clients? You know, I, I think that you'll find that that's a better way to approach it. And I think that, um, you know, I always tell my clients, I'm not a transactional agent. I focus on relationships. So my goal is not just to get you into a house. My goal is to get you into your home, you know, and I think that there's a big difference between a house and a home. And that seems to really resonate with people. So. It definitely. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I love that. So, so I think to your point though, and to the commission breath comment to, um, I think it was a friend who said that, I think agents struggle with that in general because the reality is so few people actually give with the intent of no expectation of return. Mm -hmm. We say we do, right? But the second that we give something and we don't get that return at some point, we start getting mm -hmm. animosity. Mm -hmm. And that should, that should never be the case, right? If we're truly giving to bring value, if we're truly doing this to for the betterment of somebody else, then mm -hmm. if they never, ever, ever give you a piece of business, it shouldn't matter because you're creating mm -hmm. that framework that allows you to do that, right? So, um, but I, I love it. I, I love what you're doing and I, I agree with you 100%. Absolutely. And I just think, I mean, the last thing I would say is we can all spot a fake, you know, when it's fake. And so if you're thinking that you're doing this and you're thinking that you're providing value, but ultimately you're thinking what's in it for me, it's going to come across. People are going to see that. You know, and I think so it's just having that setting your your mindset to that abundance mentality and knowing that there's enough for everybody. We can all be successful. Um, I think that's one of the most important things. Definitely. Yep. So everybody, um, anybody who just tuned in, this is just talking about how we can um, create pretty much a, a bulletproof buyer system. And um, right now, the theme that we're talking about is just the relationship that we're having with our clients and how we can pretty much bring value. So if anybody is um, interested in contributing or if you have any questions, feel free to raise your hand. We'll bring you up on stage. All right. So does anybody have any, um, any challenges? I know there's a couple of new agents on here. Um, does anybody have any challenges that they're facing their first year or first couple months that we could perhaps bring some value and help you with? Okay. Hey, this is Maron. Hey, Maron. Hey, well, um, I, and this is, um, maybe to Jeff. So if, if you know, no one else has like questions. I know I missed some last um, session you guys had for the sellers delivery. I didn't know if you maybe had just five minutes or could hit a few, few key points um, for the reverse side as far as working with sellers, not just completely change the topic, but um, any like major gems that you might have dropped in. I was kind of curious on that. Yeah. 
My suggestion there, Moran, would be if you go to that website I gave you earlier, be3agents.com, on that site, you're going to see um, a link to um, a section called Next Level University Replay. I would go watch that. That's the quarterly training we did. A lot of these discussions we're having now are kind of built off of those classes. Um, they're each, those classes that we did, they're each about an hour long. My suggestion is go to that site, go to that um, section. I believe it is day two. You'll see it in there, though. We have an entire class um, dedicated to sellers as well as buyers and everything in between. But the sellers class um, specifically that you're asking about that we did yesterday is on there. Um, and it's about an hour long. So I highly suggest watching that for sure. Okay, thank you. Hey, Christy, well, welcome to the stage. Um, did you have a question or did you want to chime in on anything? No, hello. Thank you guys for the information. I kind of stepped in a room in the middle of you guys talking about, um, I have a client and we've gone to see maybe 15 homes and I'm struggling to get across to my client that when she's, I've shown them homes that I know that fit their criteria, but I guess I'm struggling to get across to them that when they see something that they like, we need to move forward. And they've lost out on two different homes that they really love because they kind of drug their foot. And I don't want to seem kind of too pushy. So I guess I'm just trying to figure out where to draw the line. I don't know if I'm being too soft and saying or letting them know that, you know, the market, I've tried to explain to them the market and that when they see something, we need to we need to move forward and put an offer. and We don't have time to wait. I mean, literally, things are not staying on the market two or three days here where, where I am. So I guess trying to get some guidance on how, how to kind of um, help move them forward when they actually do find something that they want. Have they said why they didn't make the offer on those homes? Um, I want to think about it. I'm, you know, that I want to think about it thing. You know, we are pre-approved. We're ready to go. We know what we want. You know, I'm showing them things that meet their criteria. They, they're in there and they're saying that they like it, but just let me think about it a day or so. And then they're just dragging their feet and then it's just gone. The buy the seller accepted an offer. Yes. I think my take and, and Johnny may have some thoughts here too. My take is you need to make a decision as a business owner, whether or not you want to stick on this ride with them, um, or if it'd be worth referring, or if it's worth having an honest conversation with them that says, hey, listen, here's the reality. We're in a super, super tight market. Anything we look at that you fall in love with, we need to move quickly. And if you're not prepared to do that, that is perfectly okay. But my suggestion is stop overwhelming yourself. Stop putting yourself through the stress of going out. Stop, stop doing that, right? There's no reason to, because the reality is if you're just not ready because there's other things going on that maybe you don't want to share with me and that's okay too, that's great, right? That's perfectly fine, but we, sh we should put this on hold then. So maybe let's stop. Maybe let's take a break for 30, 60, 90 days and let you regroup. Now, if you're saying no, is there something else going on? What else can I help you with that's going to make you feel comfortable to pull the trigger now? And if and let them and then shut up and let them talk, right? And if they don't give you the answer that you want to hear, my suggestion would be cut bait or refer to another agent that maybe has more time. 
Now, if you're a new agent, I don't know your situation. If you're a new agent who has the time, then that's okay too. Then you're going to stick it out with them. But it sounds to me like they're just, there's something else going on in their life, some other stress, some other anxiety that they're just not sharing with you. And so that would be my suggestion. Thank you. Yeah, I agree 100%. I just have a, a brutally honest conversation with them and let them know that, hey, you're not going to get the house. Um, and it's like they should be able to see, especially after falling in love with multiple houses and submitting offers. Um, th- after a while, usually they learn. But um, you don't want to burn yourself out and don't be scared that, hey, if you don't take and show them these houses that that they're going to go somewhere else because they're not. They're going to realize that um, that ultimately they're going to have to listen. You're you're the professional. So you have to kind of take charge a lot of times with them. Thanks, guys. Hey, if I can just jump in here really quickly. I'm I'm with you both, Mike and Johnny, on that. Um, what I would say, though, is I didn't hear any of you guys mention, like, just ask, what is it that you're thinking about, right? Um, why, why are you kind of resistant? If you love this place, what's holding you back? I know Mike kind of answered that in a longer way, I guess. But I, I would just say, like, you know, if you're ready, you're pre-approved, you're you love the house, what's kind of holding you back? And a lot of the times, they're not really going to have an answer for that. And then, you know, at that point, that's like Mike said, you decide, hey, you know, I don't think these guys are ready right now. Or um, they kind of just decide, like, I'm just in my head, right? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Hey, I, I invited um, Brian up here. Um, how you doing, Brian? Good, Johnny. Appreciate the invite. Yes, sir. Yeah, I just want to see if you had any um, words of encouragement or what you would recommend. Um, I'll be honest. I just joined on the conversation. I understand conceptually reading the, the headline, 100% bulletproof fire system. Is there a specific question that people are looking to answer for? It was Her question was in regards to having a reluctant um buyer like they're pretty much just looking at houses submitted a couple um off so one of the things that we're pushing on our team right now and i I push this in general is creating a level of urgency so you know we're getting a lot of people who are writing offers three four offers and you get things like oh i'm gonna write a full price offer as if that's somehow a good thing to do in this market as most of i can't speak to everybody's markets but Everybody that I've talked to is basically, you know, I listed a house the other day and I got 19 offers in five days. So a full price offer is basically is I came up with three things that we wanted to talk about. We talked about our team meeting the other day. The first was comparing a couple of things. The first is list price. So I've heard so many buyers say I would never pay more than the asking price. So we're coming up with language to talk about that. What is the what is the list price? For me, it's an arbitrary number that the bot that the seller and the agent decided they would list the house at. But it's arbitrary. It doesn't mean it's the value. It doesn't mean any of the other things. Then we started talking about appraised value. What is appraised value? Appraised value is the value that the seller, excuse me, that the bank is willing to lend on as the maximum amount they're willing to lend on, depending on what your original loan to value is. And then what is market value? Market value is what somebody is willing to pay for the pay for the house. So in this market, we have to ignore list price and we have to be able to, to win, ignore 
um, ignore the, the 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 list the appraised value. So how are we creating urgency? So I did this the other day. You know, generally speaking, we're seeing interest rates in the mid to low twos, and on a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house, if you wait for interest rates to go up to four and a half, which for what the experts are saying is a very reasonable number here in the next 12 months, it's going to cost you an extra $300 a month or almost $100,000 over the life of the loan. So we're going out trying to create urgency. And if those type of things don't create urgency for people, then you know I kind of put them on the back burner. One of the things I tell agents on my team over and over again, if you've got three or four people who are waiting for the perfect house, you need three or four other people. Doesn't mean you ignore those other people, but stop treating them like their deals that are going to close in the next 30 to 60 days because they're probably not. They're waiters, they're tire kickers. So it's all about creating urgency for us at this point. Hope that helps. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I was going to say exactly what you just said about putting them on the back burner. It's not that I'm ignoring them, but I'm prioritizing them based off of how hot of a lead they are. Um, you have some clients, I have clients where I take them to one house and every single house they want to write an offer on. Now, and then I have others where they, oh, well, let's see what else comes out. So it's like you have to kind of prioritize and make sure because especially in a low inventory market, you'll have multiple people interested in the same house. And you have to prioritize and you really do. And it's a tough decision to make because not like you're picking, well, who deserves this house, but who is most capable, who is willing, ready, willing and able um, when the opportunity comes across. Because a lot of people can say, all right, they're ready. They're they're pre-approved. They're um, qualified. Um, they're, they're able, but they're not willing when that time comes. So if you're not ready, willing, and able, it's like, you're going to be wasting your time. So you have to make sure that, um, you prioritize. And like, like Brian said, it's like, you unfortunately got to put them on the back burner and then just make sure that you're staying top of mind, but they're not your priority right now because they're wasting your time. You could be spending time with somebody else that actually is going to commit. They're actually going to listen to you and you could be winning houses. I would say this is another big mistake I've seen a lot of agents make. They fail to ask the client to write an offer. And I know that seems silly, but I'd like to offer to anybody listening that no one just spent four hours looking at houses with you because they're bored or they need friends. They've got friends. They're not bored. They're out looking at houses because they want to buy one. And I know this is going to sound really simple and overly simple, but I can't tell you the number of agents I've talked to who have said this. Well, I didn't want to scare them away. At the end of every showing, and we use a rating system, rate the house on a scale of one to 10. If, if a client rates the house seven or higher, I'm going to ask them, would you like to write an offer on that house today? And I don't know if you guys noticed the last word I said. I didn't say ever or when you feel like it. I said today. I'm in the today business. And I've been in the today business for my entire sales career. So, you know, every single person, you know, hey, we looked at seven houses today. Two of them, you're rated a seven and eight. Are either of these houses a house you'd like to write an offer on today? Now, some people consider that high pressure. Let me tell you what my personal belief is about high pressure. It's only high pressure if you ask them to buy again after they've told you no. So if somebody says, no, I'm not going to do this, and then you go into a pitch about why it's a perfect house for them, that's high pressure. But asking them if they want to write a house on an offer on a house that they love, that's not high pressure. That's doing your job. Love it. All right. Does anybody else have any questions or want to piggyback off of that or contribute anything to the conversation?
Yeah, I think, I think um, honestly, it's, it's crazy. And I'm sure everybody's getting value out of this conversation. Um, but there's just so many different tactics. And honestly, even as far as like my methods work, but it's like how you had said that, Brian, and kind of put it in perspective, because there are a lot of times we assume and our clients, they don't know what to do. It's their first experience. So if we don't ask them for it, it's like a lot of times they're waiting for us or they're assuming that, hey, maybe um, we're going to go look at something else or whatever the process might be. But something as simple as that and just keeping it basic, just ask them, hey, would you like to write on this contract or write an offer today? It's like, that's yeah. definitely something I'm going to I'm going to do. And it's like try to utilize that. So here's a here's another thing. Here's a good rule that we have on our team. And, and buyer buyer sides are kind of the area that I love to work on more, even though. You know, we probably close on our team. If we have 10 closings, seven of them are buyers. So we really, we're a buyer focused team. And a lot of people don't think about this. And I don't know if you guys talk about DISC or know what DISC is. Somebody on this call knows what I'm talking about. But 70% of our population is high S personalities. What does that mean? That means they don't like to be pushed and they don't like to make decisions. They don't like change. So understand they want to own the house but they're scared, they're frustrated, they're irritated. They're all of these emotions that are going on. Our job is to be the emotionless to some extent. The word that we're the objective people saying, hey, looks like you love this house. Would you like to write an offer on it today? And so when I leave a house, I have two rules. I'm either leaving to write an offer or I've set another appointment. And what I mean by that is sometimes people say, well, I don't know when I'm available again. Great, so I'll tell you what, Tomorrow, when are you available to talk on the phone so that we can figure out when we can set our next appointment? Oh, I'm, you know, I get off work at five o'clock. Great. I'm going to call you at 530 and we'll set up our next appointment. So it's really important, especially in this market to button that up because guess what? That buyer just drove down the road as, as they left the house and they saw a FISBO for sale and they called them or they saw somebody else's sign. They called them you have to make sure that you have a plan with that person or they'll just scurry away. When I started in 05, someone got in my car. I never worried about them going to another agent unless I did something really dumb. And I did occasionally. But nowadays, re realistically, if someone fills out a form on realtor.com, they're getting 10 inquiries. Somebody forms a, a Zillow, same thing. Websites. So we have to keep these people buttoned up or they will leave us and they won't even, it's not, not that they're horrible people. It's just that their different opportunity came in front of them. That's the world that we live in. So our job as agents is to provide maximum service and then make sure that we're buttoning up and having a plan for them. When you have a plan, people feel comfortable. And one of the biggest things, you know, seven basic human needs, the very first basic human need is certainty. If they know that you're going to follow up with them, you're going to do your job, you're going to help them move forward, they're less likely to leave you. You provide that level of certainty for them, and it's really huge. Definitely. Yep. Does anybody else um, up here, Brent, you have anything to contribute, Tessa? Y'all have any questions or anything? In this conversation, we can talk about anything. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be about buyers anymore. I know me personally, Brian, I, I prefer working with buyers. And I think it's it's more or less just a new agent thing. I'm, I just completed my second full year. I've always gravitated to working with buyers because it's like I, I like that experience that you can give a buyer as opposed to a seller. Yeah, buyers need us. At least that's the perception. There's a perception that sell, from sellers that they don't need us, like that we're basically begging them to work with us. 
Whereas buyers are like, well, I need an agent because otherwise I can't open the door. And so there's a different mentality that comes with that. And I think people who, who gravitate towards buyers, they, they enjoy that. They feel like they're giving more value to that pe- for that person. And the buyers are generally more appreciative, assuming you do your job well. Definitely. One of the nice things about buyers too, um, a lot of my business is first time home buyers. And I think that that's such an awesome position to be the agent that's kind of their first taste in what real estate is, you know, because we do this all day long. And so it's so good to remember that this is their first time through. And so to be able to provide to them the education and the knowledge so that they feel confident, like they understand the process. I, I want my buyers to feel so confident in understanding the process that they can explain to somebody, you know, this is what we did and this is why we did it and that they feel good about their purchase. Um, I just, I think that that's important without, there's a lot of agents that just kind of assume, you know, this, this person knows what they're doing or, you know, they know what, you know, earnest money is, they know what the contingencies are. And so, when you can kind of talk to them and, and explain it in a way that doesn't make them feel uneducated, that kind of gives them the, the power of knowledge, you're going to have a customer for life. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that too, Jasmine. It's, uh, I, my folk, my favorite ones are first time home buyers and relocation people because they come in and first time home buyers, you can give them that great experience and walk them through it, hold their hand when they need it. And uh, those are usually the ones that give me closing gifts at closing. And then uh, when uh, when I work with tra- uh, transfer or relocation or whatever in the, into a town, I, can, I know the town. I've lived here all my life. So I can walk them around, show them everything I like, learn what they like, and, and help them find the places they're going to love for the rest of the time they're here. Hey, Tessa, real quick, you said that you work with a lot of first-time home buyers. Do you have a first-time home buyer program, uh, some unique selling proposition? Um, you know, I, not that I've really defined. Um, it it kind of started out just by, um, it just kind of started out that way. I came in, I, I live in a very small community. And I've lived here the majority of my adult life. And I came into real estate from working um, in our local school district. And so um, what kind of got it going was we, my, with the Century 21 franchise that I'm with, Hometown Realty, we have a Hometown Hero program, which is a give back um, that's for teachers, law enforcement, uh, first responders, And so I was able to kind of get started because my husband is in law enforcement. And then because I worked with so many teachers, that kind of got the foot in the door. And then from there, I just have a lot. I I guess I've put together, um, I always put together a really nice folder for my buyer consults um, that really outlines like, I have some documentation that shows like what to expect during the transaction and um, some pamphlets that explain each part of the process. And so I, I package that together really nicely because people love to get goodies. Um, and then it makes, you know, it, it, 
I think initially it gave me some confidence when I felt like, why are these people going to work with me? Like I'm a brand new agent. What do I know? You know, but to be able to go in there with like this, um, you know, something to hold in your hand and then present to them. And then that kind of guided the conversation. So I don't know if that's kind of what you're thinking. Um, so here, here's the reason I ask. So we, we have a similar program that I create, well, ripped off and duplicated. Our creating is a straight, a strong, a strong way to put that, but, but I call it the public servant program. It's for police officers, uh, mm-hmm. police officers, veterans, uh, clergy, uh, anybody in the medical field, we, anybody we can fit in the box. But mm-hmm. on the, on the first time home buyer program, I made a deal with my preferred lender and basically what we offer them and you know if i was on the phone with you i say hey tessa if you picked an agent you know we're working with you oh no well i'd love if you don't mind to talk to you about our first-time home buyer program since you're a first-time home buyer program. well what's that well we you know value first-time home buyers it's something that we really specialize in, in making sure they get the best experience but with that in mind we know the majority of first-time home buyers don't necessarily have a ton of money so we offer them something they can save them up to about twelve thirteen hundred dollars and that's we pay for their your get you a first year one year home warranty and then also if you use our preferred lender they'll pay for your appraisal mm. and, and that program right there it costs me personally because i'm the team leader i'm splitting with my with the agent so you know, our home warranty is 600 bucks. It cost me $300. It cost the agent $300. And then it costs the lender, you know, somewhere between four and $600, depending on the price of that appraisal. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, remember this, your average person is talking to seven to 10 agents by the time they get to you. There's exceptions to that, of course. But what are you going to do that's different that's going to keep them from deciding to talk to the next agent? So mm-hmm. we actually have them sign the first time home buyer program. There's no, there's no, cost to it. So it doesn't hurt them. And it's also a great way to transition because of the psychology behind this. If I'm sitting mm-hmm. down with you and I have you sign the first time home buyer program, by the way, mm-hmm. I also need to go over one other thing and that's uh, how we, you know, how we get paid and I need to disclose agency. So then I go through and I can do a buyer agency agreement right there. And mm. it's much easier mm-hmm. to get a buyer agency agreement signed after I just gave them 1200 bucks. Yeah. No, I, you know, what? I love the idea of that because I, and I feel like I'm already purchasing the home warranty for a lot of my clients. And so I just need to tell them that I'm, I just need to name it, you know, and then talk with my lender and your lender, your preferred lender shouldn't have an issue comping an appraisal here and there, you know, um, based on the referrals that you're already bringing them. If so, they do get a new one. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Jeff, you back? I am. I am. I missed you. I like seeing the room keep on going. It's great. Yes, Good sir. nuggets going around. So, and I just popped in, so I didn't really catch the vibe of that last comment, except this, the package is there, so. Where did, where are we now? Where are we where are we hopping into? Um, we're just pretty much just talking about different things that we do. Um, Brian has a, a program that I need him to email me. How <laughs> he does with his clients, and it's it's phenomenal. Um, he was saying about how he offers like a package, pretty much, um, to them whenever they um they meet for like a consultation. How it makes it easier to get them to sign like a buyer agency agreement. I love it. Love it. Yeah, and then I'm sure he does it. It's, it's doing the same thing every time. And it just keeps you focused and it keeps your business simple. 
and it keeps you from scrambling around and trying to reinvent the wheel. And if you just figure out, this is my jam, this is my box. And then if you fit into it, great. And you know, it's, it's up to, it, when you're promoting the way that you're promoting and, and staying in front of people, you're going to have a continual flow of leads. You don't have to say yes to every one of them. You can just follow up with people until they're ready. That was, that was kind of the original gist of this room of this, this talk when we started it was make sure that you're not wasting time and make sure that you know, you know that you have a real buyer and not a looker because they camouflage and look just like buyers and they'll trick you and they'll kill your business until you're actually serious about it and really go through the thing and work with their lender and figure out if they have to buy, they're ready to buy, ready, well, enable and real. And if they're not, you still love them, but you don't have to spend all the time with them. Just give them a little bit of love until they're ready. So no, I love it. I like the angle this, this is taking. So, and then for you, those of you guys who are in tomorrow, we're doing one more and we're doing one at 2.30 also. And this one's gonna be about the strategy behind writing the perfect contract, which I think is super relevant right now, especially in the multiple offer scenarios. So if you guys are around, uh, we'll be in, we'll, we got another room set up for 2.30 tomorrow. So come on in and enjoy. So while there are any questions for me, um, any comments, anything we can do to help, you know, I see Mike's still in here too. Anything at all we could do to help you guys, that's what we do. Take advantage of a coaching situation, any clients you're having problems with, listings not signing, buyers not ready, deals falling apart, happy to do anything you guys, what we can help while we're in here. Well, sounds like we got it all figured out. Cool. Mike, anything else to add? And maybe we'll just kind of close it up. Unless anybody else has something to add to the any tips and tricks for the buyers and what's working for you guys. Yeah, Brian, you have anything else? Um, and I would love for you and Jeff to kind of meet. Hey, Jeff, Brian, good to meet you. Um, you too, man. I, I mean, I can talk for three hours straight, so I try not to do that. I try and just provide value where it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> lack of talking is not is not my issue. Um, you know, but I will piggyback on this because we were talking about USPs, unique selling propositions. In my opinion, that's one of the biggest things that works um, to help people move forward is giving them a reason to work with you. So, you know, when I started in 05, I used to tell people I would give five or six leads a month. That's all I got. And that was great. And we still close plenty of deals. Nowadays, you know, we get five or six leads an hour sometimes because of the Internet and the way things work. So. When you're talking to these people, what is your what is your what's unique about you? Every single agent says, I'm going to do a great job. I've got plenty of sales and all that kind of stuff. But what are you doing? No one cares about you, by the way, in case you guys don't know that. I know that seems kind of a horrible thing to say, but they care about what you can do for them. They didn't hire you because they because you sold a million houses. They hired you because you did a great job or they think you're going to do a great job. So, you know, for me, we're big USP guys. We've got a public servant program. We've got a first time home buyer program. I've got a new construction program. And I've been, I've been accused of giving away too much money, but I look at it as marketing costs. In other words, if I have to spend $300 to secure you as a client, that's, that's a marketing cost to me. I'm not worried about that. If I've got to give up $1,000 commission on a new construction house that, that I just put under contract for $600,000, that's okay with me. But ultimately, remember, they're talking to a million different people. 
you know, real estate agent is not a hard thing to find in 2021. What makes you different and what makes you better? And what's the value that you're bringing to that client? And that's, that's a huge thing for us. And then I will say this too. One of the biggest mistakes that my team was making, and we fixed it near the last event, end of last year, is we weren't buttoning up. So everybody talks about the purpose of a phone call or the purpose of a showing. What's the purpose of showing to write an offer? What's the purpose of a phone call to set an appointment? I believe those things are true, but I think it's a bigger picture than that. For me, the purpose of showing a house is to make sure that I secure a client. I don't care if they buy the house that I showed them. I, I just care that they buy a house. And so at the end of every showing, and, what, and I'm not talking about every single house, but when you're done showing people, what's your button up process? You know, we've got a whole script that we're going to go through to make sure that these people don't drive down the road and pick somebody else, because that is what can crush you. You know, and I think everybody who's who works with a lot of buyers, you need to come up with a percentage that if you meet somebody, what's the percentage that person's going to close? For me, it was 80 percent. If I was falling below 80 percent, if I met 10 people and eight of them didn't buy a house with me, I felt like I was doing something wrong. So, you know, getting feedback from them and more importantly, just buttoning up and making sure when they drive out of that driveway, they're not going to call somebody else. When they hang up the phone with you, if it's the first time you're talking to somebody, what value have you provided and what have you done? So I button up phone calls like this. You're going to probably get another 10 phone calls from another 10 agents. I understand. Please understand. I can show a house any place in the, I'm my, my brokerage is in Arkansas. I can show a house any place in the state of Arkansas. Any house that's for sale, I can help you with. It's for sale by owner. I can help negotiate that for you. And I'll do that at no cost to you. So what I'm telling you, you're going to get another call from another real estate agent. Just tell them I'm working with Brian Curtis at HomeQuest Realty. I'm going to literally give them the script to talk to that next agent. And here's the good news. They don't want to go find another agent unless you did a crappy job it's a pain in the butt. They don't want to go through that interview process again. They don't want to hear about their USPs. They don't want to hear about their process. They sat through it once. They don't want to do it again. Give them a good reason to not do it by being professional and coming up with a plan. That's my biggest advice on buyers. That was awesome. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Thanks for sharing all that stuff, Brian. Looking forward to chatting with you a little bit more. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. You too. Good deal. All right. Any other comments, questions, things, anything else we can do for you guys today? We are here and we'll be back again at 2.30 tomorrow, probably every day. Mike, last words? No, I think we hit on some really good stuff while you were gone and uh, we'll be back tomorrow and we have applied for our own club. So hopefully that club will come through soon and we'll be able to, to get that going. That'd be awesome. Mindy, Alana, Tessa, Brent, anything else to say before we go? Uh, just for me, uh, thanks for having me be a part of my first actual room in Clubhouse. I appreciate this introduction <laughs> to what this is. <laughs> Love it. It's, it's fun, man. I'll tell you what, it is really great to watch everyone just contributing and really helping each other grow. I think we're going to have amazing... I think there's going to be great karma things as a result of this on a holistic level, but I think that the industry as a whole is going to get sharper and greater and more streamlined by everybody helping and, and, and sharing um, best practices. I'm, I'm really excited to watch how this grows out of its infancy and keeps rolling. So thank you guys for all the attention and all my contacts, cell phone numbers, everything is in my bio. Anybody needs anything, shoot text, happy to help in any way. And thank you guys for joining. Hope thanks, everybody. At 2.30. Yeah, thanks a lot for everything.